Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. As we take our second Thursday night where we're apart and spending time in our own homes with our friends, with our neighbors, um, away from God's house, I don't know about all of you, but I have really come to miss you all and getting together uh, as the body of Christ. I think we take for granted the privilege that we have sometimes of being able to come together in fellowship, being able to do more than bump elbows, being able to spend time with each other in close proximity. And while this time is certainly necessary as far as this quarantine is concerned, it seems almost an unbearable weight at times for me personally, because the church is people. It's the body of Christ gathered together wherever we're found, one, two, three, ten, thousands at a time. And I just want to continue to encourage you that as long as we need to do this, we're going to continue to do it. But I also want to ask you to pray diligently for our medical personnel, for those that are in the realms of science, especially pathology and immunology, looking for a cure to this disease. And we'll do that before we dig into Isaiah chapter 12. I don't know how many of you, I always get allergies this time of year. And so we're in that season. So sometimes we look at the things that are going on and we go, oh, it must be coronavirus or whatever. For me, it's just simply allergies. So uh, I beg your forgiveness if I need to cough here in the next 45 minutes or so. But as is preparing this message, the Lord very clearly spoke to me and said, it's just time for us to get back to doing what we always do here in this place. And that's to teach systematically through God's word. And so we're gonna return to the book of Isaiah here on Thursday nights, and we're gonna continue to do that until we're able to come back together. And once we come back together, we're gonna stay doing what we always do, which is to teach God's word chapter and verse. And so if you'd turn tonight to Isaiah chapter 12, this beautiful song of salvation, just six verses here, uh, this very short chapter, but so impactful and such a reminder to us of who we are in Christ. You know, sometimes as I talk with people, their concerns are very often uh, in that place that you would say, Hmm, I don't know that that's really high up on my list. I was talking to a, a gentleman a couple of days ago, and he was, you know, really concerned about uh, whether we were going to get a new shipment of uh, bottled water into Sam's Club or not. It had been cleaned out, and and frankly, in light of all we're going through, I couldn't care less. But what I do care about is people right now that are hurting and they don't have the hope that we have in Christ Jesus as our Savior and Lord. 
And you're gonna notice here in our study, and as I've pointed out many times, that this phrase that's found throughout the Old Testament and in the New as well, in that day points us towards a time future. And so this is a very unique passage of scripture that we find ourselves in. And it speaks to a time when Israel will see Messiah. And I want to turn our attention now to verse one, but we'll pray and ask the Lord to speak to us through his word. Father, we have come and we pray that you administer your truth to us through your word and God, we ask that you would bless us with your presence by your spirit. We're separated by miles and walls and homes and roads, but we are together in one spirit through that one faith, that one Lord, that one baptism whereby we've all been baptized. And so we pray that you join us together with hearts and knit us in our living rooms and Lord, out on our porches or our backyards, wherever people are watching right now. Would you move by your spirit to link your church together as we study your word in Jesus' name, amen. Verse one, Isaiah 12, and it says, and in that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. For behold, God is my salvation and I will trust and not be afraid. So many people right now are fearful of what lies ahead, and for good reason. The difficulties we face as a nation coming back from where we are currently uh, certainly are, are going to provide us with some challenges. But it is who we are in Christ that prevents us from sinking into despair, from going to those places that uh, seemingly the world goes now moment by moment, as, especially if you're watching the news cycle. I will trust and not be afraid for Yah, the Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. You'll notice this song is the song, if you will, uh, of salvation. It's the song that the Israelites uh, would also sing. It's the song that uh, Moses led them in singing when they crossed over into the wilderness. He goes on for, Therefore, with joy, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The unlimited grace of God becoming available. For in that day, you will say, praise the Lord. You'll call upon his name and declare his deeds amongst the people and make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he's done excellent things. And this is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, O inhabitant of Zion. And now we come to who this is really for, ultimately. For great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. What a a day that will be when Israel finally sees Messiah. But for us today, as I was studying this afternoon, as I was looking at this passage afresh after spending some time in prayer, Uh, It struck me in my own life how great is the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. How how precious are his promises to us as his children. How wonderful are his deeds amongst his people. You know, we can sit around and and rightly we have a few things to concern ourselves with. We, We have some worries, some cares, concerns, 
that are certainly absorbing most of the known world right now. If you're not in Antarctica right now, you, you live on a continent with this virus. But for the church, for the body of Christ, for believers, we have a reason still to praise God. We have a reason to have joy in the midst of this trial. We have a reason to think eternally instead of temporally. And you notice that the prophet Isaiah, as he sees this, this picture of a time when one day Israel will come to know Messiah, you can almost hear the all Hebrew choir uh, warming up. As this phrase is used over and over again in that day, that time when the redemption of, of national Israel is at hand. Isaiah is actually looking at, at, this, at this beautiful picture um, that has still not yet been realized. And it's the same picture that Jesus spoke of in Matthew chapter 24, there in verses three through eight. The, the day when all Israel, when, when the Jewish people in mass, as a, as a people, as a country, will come to know what we who uh, call ourselves the church, the bride of Christ, already know. The joy of our salvation, the deep well that we have uh, of the good things of the Lord that people right now are are wondering, you know, how can you not be completely nuts? How how are you not going buggy? Uh, Connie and I were sitting in our our living room and, you know, it's, it's interesting how uh, as you get older, you, you get a little bit more staid in your ways and, you know, when you're when you're younger, it's like if you can't get outside and go play or do something, you know, that uh, burns off some energy, you, you get a little buggy. And you know, we were kind of actually enjoying just sitting there with our dogs and uh, you know, watching a little bit of television and spending some time just talking. But that's going to get old. The question is, what's the source of our joy? Is our joy our our multitude of trips to the mall? Is our joy found in uh, the things that we possess is our joy uh, found in something other than the, the Lord himself? Because if it is, then when times like this come, we are going to lose our joy. We're, we're going to turn towards the things of the flesh and we are going to go where the rest of the world goes. And so Jesus speaking to the disciples, they ask him a question, verse three of Matthew 24. And now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, So this is the passage of scripture that we call the Olivet Discourse uh, on the Mount of Olives. In other words, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be? In other words, when will this uh, end of the age and what will be uh, the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and deceive many. You'll hear of wars, rumors of wars, and see that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Now, it's very interesting in light of where we are, because look what comes next. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences, and earthquakes in various places, and all of these things are the beginning of sorrows. In other words, Jesus is saying that as we see things like pandemics become more frequent, wars, rumors of wars, nations rising against nations, people 
quibbling over the details of the world. When the world becomes focused in, in the very last days, that these are the beginnings of the sorrows. And so the question becomes, how close are we? And, And probably some of you are thinking to yourself, well, the Lord could easily return tonight. I happen to agree with that assessment. The Lord could return tonight. As Pastor Rob and I were talking in the green room, uh, socially separated, I might add, by many feet, him on one side and me on the other. As we were chatting, it's like, man, what if the Lord came tonight? What if, what if the church was raptured home to heaven? What if this was the beginning of that one world government? What if this was the, the problem, one of them, that the Antichrist would have to solve, that we have this pandemic and then we have a global solution to it? What if that is the time that we're in right now? What if we're close to in that day? What if we're on the cusp of that tonight, church? What if all of this is to get the church's attention, to wake up to the signs of the times? And I don't mean to take advantage of the situation and try and extrapolate it out, but I think it bears remembering that Jesus told us there would be days like this when we get out towards the end of the age of grace. The children of Israel under the prophet Isaiah were about to sing this this song of salvation. He instructs them. Now this time during the Babylonian uh, onslaught was a time that the children of Israel were facing pestilence, to be sure. The city didn't have enough food. It didn't have enough water. People were freaking out. And interestingly enough, it was during those times when people got strange messages from God. For three years, the prophet Isaiah himself embarrassed people by walking around the streets of Jerusalem dressed like a prisoner of war. During Jeremiah's time prophesying over the nation, he actually carried around a yoke on his shoulder and, and you know, reminded them of the burden that they, were, that they were carrying. The prophet Ezekiel acted like a small child, kind of played war. He even used a haircut kind of as a, as a lesson uh, of theological importance. And when Ezekiel's wife suddenly died, he, he turned even that experience into a lesson for the nation Israel. And so I look at the world today and I'm asking myself the question, Lord, these strange things, why is it that you're using these action sermons right now to speak to us as the body of Christ? What are you trying to tell us? Because if you had asked me a couple of weeks ago whether I would be standing in a sanctuary that is is effectively empty, a couple of camera people, some people behind the scenes, doing audio and lighting well out of view. If we were to pan the cameras around, you wouldn't be able to find them. What is God saying to his people? What is he trying to tell us tonight? Could it be that he's trying to ignite the church with a fire of revival? Is he trying to get us to remember the song of salvation tonight? 
you see the picture that comes to mind is actually another prophet, and that would be the prophet Hosea. Hosea, given the strangest command, I think of all of the Hebrew prophets, he was instructed to marry a prostitute named Gomer. He ends up marrying her. She leaves him, goes with another guy, ends up with several kids. He ends up buying his own wife back. Doesn't even know if the children are his. And that strange thing that was done to them was given the nation Israel a picture of how far they had strayed from the Lord. And maybe it would be a good question for us to ask ourselves tonight, have we come upon this situation because the church has strayed from the Lord? Because the church is concerned about all kinds of things. I can tell you tonight that the church is concerned about all kinds of things, but I wonder sometimes if the church is concerned about the main thing, the gospel. I wonder if the church is actually concerned about what concerns God. You see, we have so many things that occupy our time. I wonder if the Lord isn't taking some of those things away from us so that we'll start thinking about what matters. Now, I certainly mean no disrespect to anyone, especially when you're in your jammies. When you're sitting comfortably in your home, no doubt you probably, you even have, you know, maybe a Coca-Cola or something that you wouldn't normally be able to have in the sanctuary. Shame on you. No, I don't mean any disrespect whatsoever. Enjoy it. It's something unusual and new. Get some cheese balls and throw them at the screen. I, that's Praise the Lord. But are we concerning ourselves with what matters? Are we worrying about the song of salvation? Or are we like the nation Israel under Hosea, wandering around as spiritually adulterous people? Have we strayed from the Lord in our thinking and in our living? You see, the Jewish people had. And James would actually remind us that to, to do so, to stray from the things of the Lord, if, if you want to be a friend of the world, it's going to make you an enemy of God. The Spirit is yearning jealously after his church. And I just wonder if all this doesn't have a spiritual meaning for us. We know it has an a economic impact that may last for decades. We know that it has a physical impact. And again, no disrespect whatsoever. People are hurting. We're all in this together. But are we really looking at this the way the Lord would want to look at it? Why is the, why is the Lord allowing this preview, if you will, of what I think maybe sets us looking forward to the time when the Lord returns? And as the prophets did these things, as they spoke of judgment, you know, I was sitting there thinking as I was, as I was watching and, you know, probably all of you like me are now, you want to throw your phone at a wall. It's like, I don't want another text. I don't want to get another email. I'm sick of electronic conversations. I'm going to go actually talk to somebody. 
could it be that maybe the Lord's reminding us we, we've kind of missed the mark there a little bit? I don't know. But I know this, God's speaking to his church. And I know that one day the Lord Jesus is going to come for his church. And I know that after that, the Lord is going to return as the lion of the tribe of Judah to destroy sin. And during this time, people are looking for answers. And church, we know the truth. It's the song of salvation. It's the song that the Jewish people here in chapter 12 of the book of Isaiah were learning from the prophet Isaiah. These words that indicate that their hearts had been inclined towards the Lord. Unlike the action sermons of the prophets when they were telling the children of Israel, look, this is the problem. Here in chapter 12, the prophet Isaiah is instructing them, saying, look, here's the deal. You can know God personally. You can drink from the wells of salvation. You can walk with God. And in doing so, Isaiah looks really over time, if you will, to the time of tribulation, a time that to us tonight is still yet future. But you have to ask yourself, how far in the future is it? I was listening to some of the dire reports of what likely is going to happen over the next week as I'm listening to some people try and be hopeful and maybe we'll get to come back to church for Easter and, oh, praise the Lord if we can. We want that desperately. But are we hanging our hopes on our government? Because if we are, it's going to fall short. Or are we hanging our hopes on who we are in Christ? Are we hanging our hopes on the restoration of our economy to what it was two weeks ago or three weeks ago or a month ago? If we are, we're going to be disappointed. Or are we hanging our hope on the anchor of our hope that is in heaven? You see, my hope is anchored in heaven. There's going to be a day and time when the Jewish people are going to turn away from the things that have bound them. And I wonder if tonight the Lord isn't calling the Gentile church away from the things that have bound us, away from the stuff that has plagued us. Maybe it's we that have been self-determining. Maybe it's we that have looked at our lives and say, I don't really know how much God I actually need in my life. How much Jesus do I actually need right now? As I was thinking this afternoon, I I realized I need every ounce of the Lord I can possibly get. I need my king. I need his strength right now. He's the one that can regather us. He's the one that can bring us back to where we need to be. He is the one that as we sit here tonight, separated and watching on screens and devices and tablets and these wonderful modern things that we have that the church, the early church didn't have. Can you imagine if the early church 
had fallen apart simply because there was difficulty, disease, disaster. And so Isaiah speaks to that church that will be in the last days. When the tribulation finally comes, when when that last day's empire rises up, when, when salvation finally comes on national Israel, the apostle Paul, as he's writing to the church, the Roman Christians, in Romans chapter 11, speaking to that last day's church that is made up of the Jewish people. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. The blindness in part has happened to Israel until, 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 the times of the Gentiles has come in, the fullness of them, so that all Israel will be saved as it is written. A deliverer will come out of Zion, and he'll turn away the ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them. I will take away their sins. And Paul is quoting from Isaiah chapter 59 there. And the reason I find this fascinating in light of where we are in the world is that it seems to indicate that there is going to be an end to the Gentile world. That ultimately, the world that now contains us, the the church, God's kids by grace, is going to one day run its course. And I wonder if tonight the Lord isn't asking us to maybe ask ourselves, how close are we? And are we busy about our Father's business? Is the church going to be refined through this? Are we going to come out stronger? When we gather together, will there be more zeal? Will we get together in this place, not simply because it's something else to do, but it's the only thing we want to do? Or are we going to go running right back to what we were before all of this happened? And so I ask you tonight, where are you with the song of salvation in your own heart? How thankful are you for your salvation in Christ Jesus tonight? Is it the main thing or is it a thing? Is your salvation so precious you can't imagine living without it? Or is it something that pales in comparison to the fact that we're going through these physical difficulties right now? And to the children of Israel, there were some things that preceded this song, if you want to look at it that way. This this song that would be sung by them in a time of Jacob's trouble there, as Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 30, verse 7. Alas, for that day is great. There's none like it. It's a time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. 
You see, could we be working towards that expected end where the focus of the world becomes the trembling cup that is Jerusalem? As Zechariah the prophet spoke in chapter 12 of the book of Zechariah, you see, one day Israel's going to see Yehoshua, Jesus, Messiah. And he's going to pour out upon the house of David, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, a spirit of grace and supplication. They're going to look on him whom they pierced and mourn him as one mourns his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. And Zechariah would go on and speak of the very wells of salvation that are visible here in chapter 12 of the book of Isaiah. Because it says in verse 1 of Zechariah 14, for in that day, the same time that is visible, when the song is finally sung by the Jewish people, a fountain will be opened for the house of David, for the inhabitants of Jerusalem, for sin and uncleanness. In other words, there's going to be a cleansing of the Jewish people. And so maybe tonight it'd be a good question for us to ask ourselves, are we availing ourselves of that cleansing that happens in Christ Jesus? Are are we looking at this from the right perspective would be another way to ask ourselves that question. Are we established in the promises of God? Are are we established in the kingdom of God? Are, are, Are we giving all that we have towards that purpose and that end Or are we just kind of making our way through life? Things started to matter to me in a very different way this last week. I'm talking to my brother and he's over with my dad in Arizona and his family's moving and people are going everywhere. And it's like, you know, I may never see them again. I don't know what'll happen. I have family members that don't know Jesus still. Praise God, most do. But am I concerned about the things that concern the Lord? Because interestingly enough, this song in chapter 12 here in the book of Isaiah is the exact same song, but it's going to have a different result then. In Exodus 15, the exact same words are sung by the Jewish people. After Pharaoh's army is defeated, in verse 2 of Exodus 15, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Are you tonight praising God? Are we praising God? Are we praising God because we've been delivered? Because our lives have been changed, transformed by the marvelous grace that we've received because Christ is our salvation. If you don't know Jesus tonight, if you're watching, you need Jesus to be able to sing this song. You can't sing this song without knowing the Lord. It's the same song that was sung as they rededicated the temple after the Babylonian captivity during Ezra's day, and it's recorded for us in the 118th Psalm, 
For the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. You see, from that standpoint, basically what we're finding out is there's always only been one song of salvation. There is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. It is only at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Do we believe that, church? Or is church about something else? Church is about salvation first. Everything else is secondary. Everything else is a result of sanctification as we grow in Christ. The Jewish people are one day going to come to know the Emmanuel that we already saw in chapter 7. And so Isaiah is kind of bringing this back around to a, to a truth that I think for us is so important tonight. As unthinkable as the tribulation might be for you, it is for me. Sometimes when I read the book of Revelation, I'm just like, Lord, you're not going to actually allow that to happen, are you? The answer is yes. It's going to happen. In that sense, we would describe that as a foregone conclusion because God said so. It's happening. The world's going to come unhinged. And you're probably saying tonight, well, my world's already unhinged. I'm trapped here with my kids in my living room. You've already lost your mind. You have no idea what tomorrow brings. And again, we're all in this together. I, I, I get it. We understand this is difficult, but this is nothing compared to what the Lord is going to bring when he pours out his wrath on this earth. When he finally says, look, enough. You guys can no longer tell me that you're, that you're not going to do what I've asked you to do. Now, the good news is, if you know the Lord, then he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not appointed you unto wrath, but unto salvation. So, for us, the bad news is actually good news. The fact that he's coming is also the truth that we're not going to be here. He's taking his church home. That's why it says here, look what it says in verse 1. And in that day you will say, oh, Lord, I will praise you. That's somebody who's saved. Somebody who loves Jesus. You can't say when the world comes crashing down, oh, Lord, I praise you, unless you know him. Though you are angry with me. Anybody thankful tonight that though he was angry with you, by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourself, it's his gift. You're not going to receive that anger. Your anger is turned away and you comfort me instead. It's really the inference there. It's like, I deserve anything that God would give me. I deserve the wrath of God. Let me be blunt. Let me be honest. I deserve, if we were to start seeing massive amounts of people perish from this virus, make no mistake, we've deserved that for a long time. We have turned our back on God. We have a country that no longer even honors the Lord. And we wonder why some of these things are happening. I see it as God's mercy and his grace that he's done nothing else. 
Sometimes I wonder why we still have the things that we have. And so Israel makes this declaration and they begin to sing about the Lord. And this is where I want to leave you with a tremendous amount of hope tonight. Look at what they're doing. In verse 2, behold, my God is my salvation. I will trust. I will not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. They are literally singing about the joy of their salvation. Like, man, I am so thankful that I'm going to heaven. I'm so thankful that no matter what happens with this coronavirus, I'm going to heaven. I have that assurance of my salvation. That's why it says here, Jehovah is salvation. That's who Jesus is. It's actually what his name means, Yahoshua. And so as we think of this song that's being sung, it's a recognition of who Jesus is. He's Savior. He has saved us. He is saving us. He keeps us saved. The whole process is on him. One day, the Jewish people are going to draw from the wells of salvation, just as you and I are able to do right now. That's why Jesus in John chapter 7 said, if any man thirsts, anyone does, come unto me and drink. And I wonder how many people, after we get through this crisis that we're in, are going to be really thirsty. They're going to be wandering around thirsty. Oddly enough, the the last exhortation found in the book of Revelation in chapter 22, let him that has thirst come and drink of the water freely. The only thing left between those two places is the tribulation. It's the age of grace to the very last days. And so I wonder if the Lord isn't reminding us, hey, you're a lot closer to me coming to get the church than you think. I I have a tough time at times with Christians who, it's almost like they're ashamed to praise the Lord. Like, well, I don't want to, you know, appear to be one of those people. Look, we should be saying praise the Lord all the time. Praise the Lord. If I die tonight, I'm going home to heaven. Praise the Lord. God can heal my marriage. Praise the Lord. God can fix our finances. Praise the Lord. He can mend the broken lives. Praise the Lord. He can keep our first responders safe. Praise the Lord. He's able to work in every hospital. Praise the Lord. We should be praising the Lord. Doesn't mean that things aren't difficult, but we know the King of Kings and we know the Lord of Lords and we of all people should be able to say, praise the Lord. In that day, if the Jewish people can shout hallelujah, which is the meaning of the the word, the word hallelujah means praise the Lord. If they're going to shout that one day, 
We who know him by grace ought to be shouting it today. It should be something that just flows out of who we are because of what he's done. No wonder that water of life and drinking from it freely will one day just cause people to break forth in song. Church, we have that tonight. I have that tonight. I I am saved and I'm going to heaven. I've called upon his name exactly as the Jewish people will one day be able to do in mass. We already can do, and they could too if they simply turned to the Savior. This whole glorious exaltation of praise that's going to one day happen should be happening in our homes right now. God's got this. He's still worthy of our praise. He's still worthy of our exaltation. He's still worthy of any type of adoration that we can give him. His kingdom has already come to us. The fullness of his will being done, that's coming. But church, are we praising the Lord in the midst of our circumstance? Are we allowing God to do whatever he wants to do? Are we letting him be what he wants to be? Or are we, in essence, limiting God by the way that we conduct our lives? Are we saying, no, you can't can't use me in this situation, God. This is just too hard. No, Lord, I don't want to love that person because they're unlovable. Just too hard. I don't want to dwell in peace right now because it's just not a world of peace. It's just too hard. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. And so I just simply want to end with a word of encouragement to you. If God, after all these millennia, can promise one day that Israel, in mass, as a nation, will come to faith, through this time that we call the tribulation. What is stopping us from walking in that same grace right now without going through that tribulation? And so if you feel like you're you're going through a time that is just too heavy, turn to the Lord. If you feel like you, you can't do another two weeks or three weeks or a month of this social isolation and staying home. Try praising the Lord. If you think that God can't fix these financial problems that we're no doubt going to face, try praising the Lord. Try singing the song of your salvation. Remember who your God is. The prophet Isaiah understood this. For in that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. This is going to be a time of great difficulty. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. The Lord wants to comfort you tonight. Behold, God is my salvation. I can trust and not be afraid. The Lord's also become my salvation. He's the only one that can say it. 
There's salvation in none other. For us tonight, we have a well of salvation from which we can drink freely. It's limitless. That grace that God gives us is limitless. And when we call upon him, we have the things that we ask for if we ask according to his will. And so, though we're in a time of great difficulty, though maybe you know some people who are sick, desperately sick, we still have the ability to praise the Lord. And I say we do that. Wow. Because he's worthy. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Lord, I say praise the Lord. I'm just praising you. I might be here by myself. Lord, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to thank you. I'm going to bless your name. We are going to bless your name. You have done excellent things. The whole earth is filled with your glory. The earth and the fullness of it is yours. And so, fathers, we spend yet another week apart and, Lord, wonder what's going to happen when we wake up tomorrow. We know the one that holds our very breath of life in his hands. And we also know that you are good and that you love us. And so we are choosing tonight to sing the song of salvation. We are going to praise you. And so, Lord, we bless you. We thank you. And God's people everywhere say amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.